Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back to Fire and Soul. I am your host, Michelle Sorrow, and this is a really special day over here at Team Fire and Soul. This episode marks our 100th episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. It is my great honor and privilege, and I'm humbled to even say that because I remember when I was first starting, I nearly didn't put this out. I was so afraid of what people would think. I was so afraid of being judged. Many of you know that story, and it nearly stopped me in my podcasting tracks. And wow, am I so grateful that I didn't, because as I look back now, 100 100 episodes in, and I can connect the dots from certain guests that I'm going to highlight here today that have had a pivotal shift, not only in my business, but in my life in ways that I will break down for you today. So that's what I'm going to do today. I've, I've chosen seven guests. What those particular conversations opened up in me and help me create a more epically aligned life. Because if you're new to the show and you don't know what fire and soul means, it is inspired action from an awakened soul for epically aligned results. Let me break that down. So fire, it's action, but not the manufactured hustle, grit, and grind. It's inspired. You feel like you're being called into that particular action. Why? Because it's from an awakened point of view, an awakened soul. You woke up, you knew, or you know that you're made for more. You want to be seen, be heard, rise up and do something a little bit different, whether it be a, a, a tiny two millimeter shift that has a quantum effect on your life and business, or it's a huge leap in one bound that you clearly can see, wow, that was bold. It was badass. And it brought me here for epically aligned results, which means you're aligned mind, body, and spirit, mind, body, and soul. It feels right. It feels expansive. It feels like it's the path you're supposed to be on, despite the fact that it might've been scary to try or to do or to take action on, to have those tough conversations, to draw the boundaries and actually honor them to speak your truth, to be vulnerable, to ask that person out, to ask for that divorce, whatever it might be. I've heard countless stories from you guys sharing back with us what particular episodes have meant. Some of you, 217 of you, in fact, have left reviews over there on Apple, which is our predominant player. And there's, you know, a lot. Predominantly, I think there's like 215 five-star reviews, which just blows me away and humbles me because that's what this show is designed for. It's, it's a safe place for you to come back to a community, a touchstone, right? For you to be reminded of who you are, whole, perfect, and complete, exactly as you are right now. But maybe with this guest or this conversation or this insight, you too will take that tiny step of bravery outside the comfort zone to level up your life in ways that felt impossible, 
But when you look back on it now, you're like, wow, that was the very next thing. So I want to share one of those reviews that came in last month from Christina Mantel. Her topic is empowering and so fun to listen to. Tons of emojis, flames, and hearts, and stars. She says, all caps, I love Michelle's podcast. Her podcasts and interesting conversations have enriched my life. I've listened to so many of her podcasts, and just hearing the opening music makes me happy. Her voice, her questions, and her vulnerability are what draw you in. The conversations flow and you feel like you are truly part of the discussion. Michelle's Fire and Soul is my top go-to podcast. A plus, 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 plus. Thank you, Christina. I'm so touched by that review. So back to the 100th episode, a huge milestone in the world of a podcaster. Let me explain why. I share this all the time in our podcast accelerator. And I received this information from my first podcast mentor, Chris Harder, who runs a top podcast called For the Love of Money. And I remember when I was considering starting a podcast and I was on my own, it was kind of, you know, lonely and confusing. And I was more overwhelmed, you know, going down the internet rabbit hole of searching of how do you do all this? And how do you link up all the things and all the tech stuff? And And I was getting a little bit overwhelmed and he's the first person who planted the seed of, well, why don't you get a podcast producer? And I had never heard of such a thing. I'd been in TV for 10 years. I'd had a ton of different television producers, but never had heard of such a thing for podcasting. And so that led me to Jenny, which I'm so grateful for. The second thing that he said to me is... Once he heard, okay, I'd I'd linked up with Jenny and I was on to starting my podcast. And then I ran into him again at a soul cycle class here in Santa Monica. And he said to me, just make sure you don't give up. And I said, no, I I won't give up. Little did I know that I was already going to face massive imposter syndrome before I even released the first episode. Uh, So his words couldn't have been more spot on because he knew, right? Because he's a podcaster himself. He said to me, most podcasters will give up after three episodes. And out of the 100% that, you know, started and gave up that there will be 20% that don't. And then that 20% will get to about 18. And then another 80% of that 20% will give up entirely and maybe never pick it up again. So Michelle, what I'm trying to say to you is, is just get to 18 and you're golden. So I put that in my mind and I was like, okay, I'll get to 18. And yes, I almost gave up when episode one was released because I was so afraid of what people would think, so afraid of being judged, so afraid of not being good enough. And I was comparing my very, very beginning to Oprah. And I remember calling Jenny, my producer, and saying, we've made a huge mistake, take it down. What was I thinking? Oh my gosh, I'm so worried about being judged. It was such a pivotal moment for me because we pushed through that. And that was the first barrier. To get to 18 was massive because I was already learning and growing and, and understanding myself on such a deeper level. So to be here and releasing our 100th episode and looking back on how these particular episodes that I'm going to highlight today have changed my life on a seismic level. It just blows me away and it just reminds me what I say over and over and over again, that if it feels aligned, even if you're scared, go for it. Take that next step. Even if you don't know where it all goes, just trust in that process of where you're being called, that inspired action, because you've woken up to the next level. And that's what this podcast has done for me. It has changed me. It has grown me. It has humbled me. And when I look back on these seven particular guests, I can see... What a massive difference they each made to my life. We've got seven guests from almost the very beginning, starting with episode 13. And what I'll do is I'll play a little clip and then I will give you the recap 
of what having that guest on did for me personally and or professionally and how it took my life to the next level. So that's where we are headed in today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let's get started with the first guest that I'll highlight on our 100th episode, Mr. Jarek Robbins. Take a listen. I want to talk about Amanda. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I don't know her personally. I'm more of a fan than a friend, obviously. But, you know, you guys just ooze true love and partnership and support and unconditional acceptance as you're traveling the world and making an impact. And she's brilliant and beautiful and in love with you. And I mean, like I said, I've never met her. I'm meeting you for the first time right now. But you can feel it. it. It pulsates from the page and social media, and I'm really inspired by it. So I had to get that, get that out there very early in. But thank you. I'll throw something in here. The reason we work so well together is I found a partner who is as committed as I am to doing the work every day. And when I say doing the work, I mean realizing that there's stages to get good at anything. And number one is we were both willing to be horrible at it in the beginning with each other long enough to figure out how to be okay at it. And and we figured out how to be okay at it. And now we figured out we were okay long enough to become good at it. And now we're still good. We're not great or excellent or the most amazing, prolific, whatever is on the world. Like we're good and we're good at it. And every day we work at it. Every day we put in our practice. Every day we put in our reps. Every day we put in the effort it takes to hopefully become great over time. And that process, she was, when we agreed in the beginning, hey, let's just get on the same page. Do you agree that in the beginning, we're both going to suck at this? And are we okay with that? And are we okay with sucking through it long enough that eventually we might become okay? And we were like, yeah, I I like getting better at stuff. She's like, I like getting better at stuff too. I said, are we going to agree that we're going to learn about this and we're going to read about it? And we're going to practice this stuff and we're going to realize that it's a process. And some days we're going to have royal meltdowns and not know which way up is, but we're willing to stick with each other through them long enough that we can figure it out. And are like, are we cool with that? I love that. Ah, Jarek Robbins, such a beautiful soul. So let me explain how I came to know Jarek Robbins. Uh, if you've been listening to the show a while or you're new, there probably isn't an episode that goes by where I don't mention my most influential mentor, Tony Robbins, yes, Jarek Robbins' father, in the way that it, my life was completely changed when I attended my very first Date with Destiny in December of 2017. When I got a part of the Facebook groups, et cetera, for Tony Robbins events and met so many of the people in his community, that is how I learned about Jarek Robbins. And the more that I learned about him, the more that I observed him and his uh, beautiful wife, Amanda, it was just obvious that everybody was inspired by their epic love story. So number one, it was like one of the great privileges ever to have him on the show and that he said yes. But let me tell you a couple of things that happened. Um, number one is that... I knew as I was prepping him that most people, if not every single person I had seen ever have him on the show, they might not have talked about his dad, his very famous, influential, powerful father on their actual show, but in the show notes, which is the marketing material, right? The snackables, the audiograms, all of the content and copy that is highlighting that episode I don't think I came across one where they didn't mention Jarek Robbins, son of Tony Robbins. And I thought, well, that doesn't 
I don't know. It just doesn't seem cool. Like, I think we should be giving Jarek his own platform because he's phenomenal. I mean, my goodness, look at his resume. Look at who he is. Look at where he's spoken. Uh, look at the impact that he's made all around the world. And people are so inspired by him. I wanted to give him his own platform. So I do remember Jarek saying, yes, I'd be happy to come on your show. I believe I reached out to him on a DM on Instagram. Yep, slid right in there. And I do remember him also saying in an email once I got his email and we started to correspond about setting up the conversation that uh, there were two rules and it was basically don't bring up my dad this is you know we're not talking about my dad and he was really simple and cool about it and number two is I won't be promoting this so as long as you don't expect that from me we're, we're good to go and I was like awesome we're good to go so when the episode was released and my write-up there was no mention whatsoever of his father. And in my hallucination, that seemed to make a difference, although I wasn't planning on it, because when this episode came out and Jarek had said he wouldn't be promoting it or sharing it in his social feeds, he did. Not only did he share it, but he also shared it a second time. So if you follow Jarek on Instagram, you might notice He's pretty much just putting up inspirational content and quotes. He's barely ever in, you know, the content himself, unless it's something huge like his mother passing, um, which happened this year, or this, this, the birth of his son, um, which also happened on the same day, June 13th, which is also strange because it's my birthday. Anyway, so for him to promote a podcast that he was on in his actual feed versus a story was... um it felt pretty monumental to me. And that is where our connection really began. But the reason I chose that clip is because I remember thinking, I want what he has. How do you get that? And when he shared how they both committed to sucking because they didn't know what they were doing, but they were humble enough to try. Number one, that woke me up to a whole new realm of communication and honesty and vulnerability right from the get-go of starting something new with someone. But that seed is what got planted in me for everything. So it's not just starting in an intimate, romantic, potential relationship, but it's a new business partnership, a new program, starting something where you don't know how to do it, right? And so your level of learning is at a zero, but you're humble enough to try and be willing enough to say, I don't know how this goes and I'm going to suck in the beginning, but I'm willing to get better. I'm willing to be a little rough around the edges. So that was brilliant teaching. I never forgot it. And here's what's cool in full circle is that once I had that opening with Jarek, then I asked him to be a guest in my mastermind. I had a mastermind for over two years and, and we've had a lot of guest speakers and Jarek, I want to say has now been a guest two or three times. And it was as a result of him coming to my mastermind this last round, which was in March of 2020. So yes, the pandemic had just hit. He was our first guest speaker in that particular round. And he started sharing about the small business owner mastermind blueprint that he was going to do a one day workshop on. Was there anyone in my mastermind that would be interested? A lot of us raised our hands. He decided to pivot that and turn it into an annual mastermind. And it was from there that I joined it. So since April of this year, I have been in Jarek Robbins small business owner mastermind and my business has grown. It has almost tripled in revenue. I've learned how to hire a team, build a team, empower my team. It's been a game changer. He taught me in one pass how to save $52,500 off my annual expenses. I didn't even know that there was that money to save. So he's brilliant. He's kind. He's generous. He drops gold in every single episode. Now I've gotten to know his wife a little bit more. And uh, it's just incredible to be a part of his mastermind. 
the whole point that I'm trying to make right now is that if I hadn't invited him onto my podcast from the beginning, developed that relationship, had my mind blown and my heart cracked wide open into the possibilities of just owning your humility when you're trying something new, whether it's a romantic relationship or a business or anything, I don't think I would be where I am now. And it's just led to so many other cool things. So that is Jarek Robbins. It's so cool. The next guest that I want to talk to you about was one of the three. When I met Ginny and we had our first phone call and she asked me, who are your top dream guests? You know, of all time, no big rush to get there, but who would it be? And I said, well, Tony Robbins for sure. Alison Armstrong and Jack Canfield. Well, I have had Tony Robbins scheduled twice. He's been rescheduled twice. I hope to get him on the show eventually. He's still there at the top of the list. But Alison Armstrong is the next person that I want to highlight. Uh, this was a really special conversation. I'll talk to you about it when it's over and give you the true lowdown of what was going on behind the scenes um, when this conversation was happening and after it was over and what it ultimately led to. Here you go, Alison Armstrong, one of the most world premier, uh, world renowned, excuse me, relationship experts. If there's a quick fix, an instant fix to how we can get into a state of femininity when we need it most. And what would be some examples of that? If you think about a gatherer's lifestyle, right, whether it's picking seed heads or berries or grinding grains, right, the rhythmic hand motions are are part of our ancestry and they're what build oxytocin. So even, it may sound funny, but if you have a date, go home, change your clothes into something that you're happy to be wearing and and stand at the kitchen sink and hand wash the dishes for a little while, not in a hurry, right? Just like wipe down the counters like you love them, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, yes. Right? So it's all of those things, whether it's ironing or wiping or dusting or washing, or even when I can tell that I'm low on oxytocin, I'll just sit and literally rub my hands together. I'll just rub back and forth like I'm, you know, being contemplative and I'm causing my body to generate a hormone that will give me a sense of well-being and have me be available and receptive. Mm, I love that. It reminds me of when I um, was with my ex-boyfriend and I was doing a yoga sun salutation very slowly and gracefully in his living room. I was showing him something and he just sat down on the couch like completely mesmerized and he was like, I fucking love you so much right now. <laughs> and it's like, I, because I was filling my tank, I was doing exactly what you're talking about. And I loved yoga and I was just sharing with him my passion, you know, and, and it was such a beautiful little example of an answer to that question full circle. So that was an amazing conversation that grew me on so many levels. And I want to break that down. So number one is I had been a very devout student of all of all of Alison Armstrong's teachings, maybe like 13, 14 years ago when she used to teach predominantly in person. I don't think she had any digital courses at that point. And then full circle, when I was, you know, coming up with my dream list, and it was Tony Robbins, Alison Armstrong, Jack Canfield, which by the way, you're going to hear from soon. And um, 
And I just thought, oh, I was so nervous. I was so scared. It was very early into my podcasting journey. And I knew that she covered a lot and I wanted to ask her a lot. So when I finally got to the one question that actually resonated the most with you, my listeners in this beautiful community, it was, Allison, I know that you teach us thoroughly in all of your programs how to tap more into our femininity, but if there was one answer to a quick fix, what would it be? And that was her answer there, which is to slow everything down, to be intentional with our movement, which is why I shared, oh my gosh, it's so true. And so still to this day, whenever I'm feeling masculine or the energy is aggressive, I remember to slow everything down. And the first place for me to start is breath work, right? So I can take a breath and slow my nervous system down and come back into my femininity to come back into my flow. However, there's another piece to this story that that is so much bigger than just what Allison taught me in terms of how to really tap into my femininity as a woman, which is where all my power truly is, right? Yeah, I've got the fire and I've got the the light warrior energy and I and I make a lot of really big things happening happen. But it's the femininity that's the peace and the joy and the generosity and the spaciousness and the flow where I I really do believe now that that is where all of my own power resides because I'm no longer having to force and do it on my own, but I'm co-conspirating with something so much larger than myself, which is what the peace is. And that is spirit, soul, God, love, divine energy, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like I'm more part of that energy than not when I deliberately slow everything down within myself. But the second piece that made this... um particular episode so monumental for my life is <laughs> is that there's a couple things. Number one is when I reached out to Allison's team, it was her PR team, and I asked if she'd be willing to be a guest on my show. They too said, yes, we'll make that happen. However, we will not be promoting this podcast whatsoever. So as long as you're cool with that, and you don't expect anything from us, then we will be happy to schedule this for Allison. And I was like, great. Again, I just wanted her on my show and I wanted to deliver her to my listeners. And so for me, it was okay. I'm good with that. And so I will let you know that when this episode came out, despite my nerves and thinking that I had kind of, I was just, you know, all over the place and that Allison would never be proud of it, blah, blah, blah. I received the, I don't know, I guess it's a weekly newsletter that Allison puts out because you remember, I'm a devoted fan of hers and a longtime student. I'm actually in a couple of her trainings right now. And I saw that they had completely promoted my podcast with her on their email newsletter, and I was blown away. So to this day, and that was back in 2018, this conversation with Alison Armstrong is my top download of all time. And I was like, wow. And it was, I'm sure, largely um, due to her sharing with her very loyal uh, fans as well. But the other piece that made this so special is I was a new podcaster and I was learning how to put in my editing request to the team over at Jenny Media. So when I put in my editing request for this particular episode, it was very long. I want to say there were over 32 requests. And just to give you an example, there might be one or two in general, if ever at all. But this was like a couple of pages long and so detailed that literally my producer, Jenny, circled back to me 
and was so overwhelmed by that, that the conversation then escalated into her saying, I don't know if I'm the right producer for you. And she literally tried to fire me. I mean, we laugh about it now because we both grew so much how I would communicate with her better, how she would allow for more, you know, growing with her clients and a little bit more compassion for, you know, every client is going to be different and they're going to have their neuroses and their nuances because she was also a newer producer. So that conversation leveled both of us up on so many, in so many ways. She became, she says this in her own words, a better producer. I became a better podcaster. Our relationship grew and that was the beginning of a very special friendship. And I'm very honored to say that. And of course, now we're business partners in the Podcast Accelerator. So this podcast changed, my life changed, my ability to be a podcast host changed, a lot changed for her. And of course, ultimately, the one episode that caused us the most friction that grew us the most, right, was also and still is the top download of all time. That still blows me away because it's such a funny stat. (laughs) All right, we're going to move into the next guest that I want to share with you. And this is a really special one for me. It's Scott Harris. And uh, this also was a hugely popular podcast. The title, I believe, is what hooked y'all. It's called How to Master a Money Mindset. Now, Scott Harris shares the stage with Tony Robbins and has for about the last 20 years at Date with Destiny, at Business mastery at Unleash the Power Within events. Uh, He certainly uh, does a lot of um, storytelling about the Platinum Partnership program that they run. And it was at Date with Destiny 2017 where I first saw who Scott was. And there was a pivotal moment for me at that Date with Destiny where I dropped to my knees and it was Scott on the stage. So that huge breakthrough for me. I think of a Scott as being my guide, my mentor, my leader in that moment, because he was pacing the stage and telling us not to give up, to get it, to go deep. Like, this is it. This is what we came for. And I remember it vividly. And I shared that with him, but I didn't know him just like I didn't know any of these other guests, right? Not personally, but I did reach out to him. And I want to say it was also Instagram DM. And I asked him to be on the show. And there is a moment in this conversation where he brought up the feather brick truck analogy that changed my life. Take a listen. You were around these people that had money, people who had wealth, and you noticed that their psychology was different. Things they were saying, how they were talking. What are some examples of that? So people can start to look for clues who want to get into proximity of that right now because it's all around us, right? So it's like, where can we lean in and start hearing it? There's so much money everywhere, but we have to be open to it. So what were those nuggets that you started noticing and picking up on that were different than what you'd ever learned? So first thing I'd start by saying, I love the universe and I think the universe loves me. And so there's a quick metaphor I love to teach people called feather brick truck. And I love what you said. It is all around you. It's all right there in front of us, but you've got to pay attention to it because usually we're not paying attention. We miss it. So my belief is the universe loves me and it's sending me messages all the time. And they're gentle little feathers. And those messages could be, you know, a bus goes past me and there's a billboard on the side of it and the words, you know, mean a particular thing to me. Or there's a phone call that comes my way or I hear something on the radio or I read something on the internet. It's like, oh, wow, that's kind of pretty cool. But if I miss that feather and I don't pay attention to it and don't respond to it, the universe is like, dude, you missed the message. Well, then the universe is going to send me the same message, but this time wrapped up in a brick. Yes. A heavier message and a more bold message and a more direct. Now, sometimes you might not like the brick. The brick is like, dude, that was not comfortable. That hurt me. (laughs) I didn't like that. That was, you know, that was, you know, either there was, you know, two months, months left at the end of my money or whether it was, you know, we had some cash flow challenges or whether I had an argument with my spouse or something. It's like, yeah, that's a brick. 
And if you ignore the brick and ignore what caused the brick, then obviously what comes is a truck. So that's kind of my metaphor for that. So yes, it is all around you. Once I made a decision to say, I'm going to choose to master this thing called wealth. Scott Harris is one of the coolest dudes on the planet. He also happens to be really smart. He graduated law school. I mean, he's got four kids. He's married to the love of his life. And he is a sought-after international coach and multi-multi-millionaire. So what I loved about the feather brick truck analogy is that, first of all, I have used that now probably a hundred times over and I think about it all the time. So while the conversation was more about money and how to optimize your money mindset, what he's really trying to say is that you've got to get in this fluid flow and conversation with the universe. Believe that the universe is friendly, that it's always speaking to you, nudging you, calling you into what I refer to as inspired action. But because I was still new in my journey and I hadn't even made, I don't think, my first six figures um, as a, an online coach and trainer yet, I also didn't really have a lot of resources and experiences for like, okay, but now what, right? How do you grow this? And so the, that whole metaphor was really powerful for me because it really got me into thinking about how the universe was always sending me signals, always having a conversation with me. But oftentimes prior to that analogy, I was getting life more at the brick and or truck level. You feel me there? Instead of being able to acknowledge the faint whispers of the feather the slight little lure, the nudge, the calling, and it's quiet, right? That's the feather. It's gentle. It's graceful. And it has all of the power within it for its inevitable success of whatever it is whispering to you to, to step into as the brick and or truck, but oftentimes without the consequences of the other, right? And so I remember hearing that and thinking that is so brilliant. That same thing of if you know you're made for more, you're supposed to leave that relationship or start that new job or start an online business or start the podcast or, you know, stop that habit, that addiction, whatever it is, then do it now while it's still maybe a feather and or a brick and don't let it get to the truck. And if 2020 has taught us anything, it is to stop and pause and self-reflect because the feathers are always there. And if we believe that the universe is always talking to us, then we can catch it early. And what a gift. See, that for me is what inspired action from an awakened soul really is. But if we don't give that feather, so to speak, access from an awakened point of view, in other words, we can hear it. We've slowed down. We've shut off the noise. We've stopped all the mindless scrolling and distractions that are so endless. And we've taken time to get quiet and to breathe and to journal and to spend time in nature and just to slow it down. That's how we can hear the feathers. And it's so beautiful when we live that way. So I loved having that conversation. It was an absolute game changer for me in life and business. And I hope that it was meaningful for you as well. So that takes us to my next guest. This actually is one that uh, I was so excited to have. You know, I told you at the top of this or somewhere along the way that when I first met up with Ginny, I told her my top three dream guest of all time. And it was Tony Robbins, Allison Armstrong, and Jack Canfield. Well, obviously you've heard of Allison and Tony has scheduled and rescheduled twice. But when I got Jack to come on the show, it was amazing because I had read Chicken Soup for the Soul since I was in high school. His book changed my life. I had met him a couple times in person at the Agape International Center of Truth, my church for 18 years with Reverend Michael Beckwith, where I served in multiple ministries and did, uh, you know, years and years and years of studying. They call it transformational studies, but 
you know, world religions and personal development and spiritual growth. And, oh, it was just an incredible time in my life. So I had met Jack there a couple of times because he and the Rev are friends and had done some projects together, like The Secret and some other really cool big campaigns. And so getting to have Jack on the show was a monumental moment for me because A, he was a top dream guest, but B, it was full circle for me to get to have the intimacy, right, of a, of a podcast conversation. And he invited me to his home. To say that I was nervous is an understatement because since then, I had, or before then, and actually since then, I have had conversations with every single guest over Zoom. I hadn't had any other in-person conversations. So this was new for me to drive to Santa Barbara, to Hope Ranch, to go to his property, to meet him in the flesh again, and to sit in his office, you know, where so many other people like Oprah had sat before, and to get to have this conversation with him to say I was nervous is to say the least. But the good news is, is that the conversation flowed and I wasn't as nervous once we got into it. And that is where he actually talked about Rhythmia and the plant, no, excuse me. He only talked about the plant medicine, ayahuasca. And I had heard about it before. I had been invited from many people, but it was one of those feather brick truck moments, right? I had heard about it. It was the feather. And here it was showing up again in what some might say could be the truck, excuse me, or the the brick, because here he is now in the flesh telling me how amazing it is and that I've got to try it as well. And then somehow, some way I've now been invited to join him with a small group of people to do ayahuasca later that year. And I was scared, but I said yes, because I was excited. And I thought it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So there was a series of events that led me to that final decision of saying, okay, that's it. We're going to go. A lot of it had to do with my mom and she really wanted to go as well. But going to Rhythmia and and trying plant medicine uh, last year with Jack Canfield and a bunch of other beautiful souls changed my life on so many levels, which we'll get into in just a moment. So it was that opening because I knew Jack was a big meditator, which we talk about here in this little clip. But it was when he shared that the plant medicine was taking the meditations to a whole nother dimension. And there was something about the way in which he shared it because I trusted him and I respected him so much for so long that there was an access. And that is why I say it might have been more of the brick part of that earlier metaphor. So without further ado, here is my clip with Jack Canfield. Enjoy. But the plant medicine, ayahuasca being one of them, is something that accelerates that process and basically blows past all the resistances that the conscious egoistic mind would normally have. So for me, it was a great deal of wisdom. Mm. Uh, the second time I did it, I've only done it twice, was I experienced pure bliss. I, I thought I knew what bliss was. Wow. But as the mm. journey started, I heard this voice say, like the voice of God at a conference that goes, ladies and gentlemen, take your seats. We will start in one minute. This voice said, you are about to experience what very few people on earth will ever experience. And then there was this like, like the big bang, like this explosion of white, gold, purple, magenta. And then it was like pure silence. And there was no me and there was no it. There was no, there was simply awareness of bliss. Most people sit around waiting and waiting and waiting. I often <laughs> or preparing, say, preparing, preparing. Getting ready. You know, right. Someone just said the other day, I was interviewing, I was doing what you're doing, mm. uh, did 13 interviews in one day. Oh in, my gosh. In Hollywood. And this one guy said, you know, 
He said, I got my calling 30 years ago. Mm. I said, that's great. He said, but I didn't act on it until <laughs> last year. <laughs> what he learned was, you never know enough to start. Just start. You'll learn more by doing than you'll ever learn by getting ready. And I thought that was really quite profound. I love it. Yeah. And your whole ready, fire, aim, it just completely changed my life. In the past less than a year, mm-hmm. I've been a rocket ship of a whole different mindset. So I want to thank you for opening up my mind and my and my heart to just go for it. You'll readjust by just taking action and it doesn't have to be perfect. Nobody's looking for that. They're looking for real. Especially today, even in my own work right now, I am making a major shift. I wouldn't call them podcasts, but I've been dripping out three to seven minute videos for the last, I don't know, five years. And they're usually either scripted or I have like real major dot points I want to go through. And what I'm doing, even as I'm looking at my own and comparing them to others in the new world right now, mm-hmm. it, it, it just spontaneity, authenticity, realness, everything doesn't have to be perfect. And that conversation is what opened the portal, literally and figuratively, for me to go and try the plant medicine ayahuasca with Jack Canfield and some other amazing people that he has He brought together through his Transformation Leadership Council group that is international. Most people are New York Times bestselling authors or, you know, speakers and coaches and trainers and just doing amazing work in the world. And it's how I met so many other beautiful souls, including Natalie Ledwell and Panash Desai. And there's a lot more that we're going to get into as we continue this recap of these highlighted episodes and guests on my show. But going to Rhythmia is what brought me to... Uh, obviously the plant medicine um, for my first experience. And I'm going back, by the way, in just a few weeks time, and I will be recapping that second adventure. But it introduced me to a lot of really powerful people. It opened up my eyes and my mind and my perspective to showing me who I'd become as a human in this incarnation and in this life. And, and it also brought me to amazing other souls like the co-founder of Rhythmia, Dr. Jeff McNary, who's the person that you're going to listen to next. So you have to keep in mind, I had only been home from Rhythmia for about 24 hours and I had scheduled this conversation with Dr. Jeff, uh, I believe while still at Rhythmia. And we had this conversation as I was fresh home from an otherwise transformational experience of trying the plant medicine all that previous week. And so here's my conversation with him, and I'll recap in just a second. My name is Dr. Jeff McNary. I'm the chief medical officer here at Rhythmia. I have a master's in public health from UCLA, also a doctorate in psychology. I have a medical background. I've been supervising and managing health facilities for a really long time. I've been in healthcare for 27 years, worked for the Department of Health of Hawaii, ran a very well-known rehab in Malibu called Passages. I was the administrative director, and I worked in locked psychiatric units in Las Encinas Hospital in Pasadena, had a private practice. I've seen it all, and I've worked with trauma victims, addiction clients, and people Mm. that are acute psychiatric. Mm. And that's kind of my background. I've just been more of an administrator and uh, working with groups and individuals and people that are struggling the most in life. We believe that the purpose of life is to refine your soul. So we believe that everybody is born into this world perfect and connected and united and in a whole. Your physical body is present with your spiritual or emotional self. Yes. Then what happens in life 
is there's a split that occurs. In psychology, we call it a dissociation. Okay. And usually between the ages of four and seven, for most people, that's when that occurs. It can occur really anytime. It can occur in utero, actually. What happened at birth? It can happen at birth. So what happens is we come into this life complete and plugged into ourselves, but then through an, an abandonment or a traumatic event or a misunderstanding or some sort of issue that occurs, every single person splits from their soul. And we know this is true because if you look at little little kids that have not split yet, like I have, a, I have an eighth-month-old and a two-year-old, and I would assume, I'm kind of guessing that they're not really split yet, they are living in both worlds. Their eyes are open to the spirit world. To they're seeing everything. Wow. They're talking to they're talking to people over in the corner that I don't see. Right. So we're we're united when we're first here, and then what happens is an event occurs and we split off. And what we learn is that it's not safe to be ourselves. Mm. We learn, and it's not it's not necessarily true that it's not safe, but we feel that way as a little kid. And so what happens is we develop this persona and this identity and it's called the ego. And we yeah. show that to the world and that takes on its own life. And it's the class clown. It's the, the studious person. It's the slut in the school. It's the fighter. It's the asshole. Who knows what it is? It's this identity that's not really us, but we're showing that to the world to get by and to survive and to try to just make it. And so as life goes on and it progresses, right? eventually we're kind of like confused and we feel not connected to ourselves because we're split and the split is really big mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we're unhappy. We're depressed. We have anxiety. We have uh, fearful things that we're dealing with. We don't understand relationships. We don't have good connections with people and we're seeking all this stuff. Like we're trying to, we go to see a therapist and they put us on meds and we go to a workshop and it's really nice, good info, but then it doesn't really resonate. It says all this stuff we're trying, we're seeking all this stuff outside of ourselves, all this external source of change. Mm. And then what happens is people come to Rhythmia and they do plant medicine. And what plant medicine does is it plugs you back into your authentic self. So the spiritual or emotional self and the physical self reunite. And then you're back to who you are and the emotions of the past that you've never dealt with surface and you feel them and they leave you and then you're clear and you're plugged in. And that's how you're feeling since you've yes. been home, yes. powerful and clear and like lots of energy and happy and just like this amazing feeling because that's what the plant medicine is doing for all the people that come to Rhythmia. So good. Brings me right back, and I cannot wait to go back to Arrhythmia on November 1st of this year and see Dr. Jeff again and Panash Desai, who is the next highlighted guest from my 100 episodes here on Fire and Soul. So you'll hear Panache, who is a New York Times bestselling author, and he's been on Super Soul Sunday and all the amazing things. You'll hear him describe how it was that we came together in a very serendipitous, synchrodestined moment um, meeting at Rhythmia. He was a friend of Jack Canfield's, which you will see, uh, or excuse me, you'll, you'll um, hear him share about here. But one of the things that was so cool about this conversation is pay attention to when he talks about how you know that you have reached enlightenment. Granted, we're not going to be there all the time, 
or even maybe predominantly. But when you recognize these two things, which are indicators for that sense of self, that sense of oneness and unity, peace, i.e. enlightenment, um, that's how you can measure it. And I loved having this conversation with him because I was then on the hunt for that, um, those two particular indicators. But the other part that I love about this is that since meeting Panash Desai at Rhythmia, again, I had never heard of him. Didn't even know that he existed in the world. I, now I look back, I'm like, how did I not know that? But again, the student, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So after connecting with Panache at Rhythmia and him healing by about 90%, I can say that now a year later, a lifelong battle that I suffered from called body dysmorphia. He healed me in five minutes of holding my hand and didn't say a word at the breakfast table on the last day we were at uh, Rhythmia in Costa Rica. And it was from there that I then decided he is my spiritual mentor. So then I immediately chose to study with him for all of 2020. I went to a four and a half day immersion of his in Palm Springs in late January of 2020. I was scheduled to do many other in-person events, but as y'all know, COVID changed everything. So um, some of that has been pivoted to online, but I still talk to Panache and he's turned into a bit of a friend. He's been a guest speaker in my mastermind, the whole thing. I still talk to him, I don't know, at least once a month for a good 20 to 30 minute conversation. He knows exactly what to say, what I need, where I am in life from the inside out. And he's turned into a pivotal teacher in the spiritual realm of my life. So this conversation was powerful for a lot of reasons. I didn't know who he was, but through the grace of Jack Canfield allowing me to come with his group, I got introduced to Panache, which then opened me up and my community to a whole nother realm of possibility, peace, and purpose. So take a listen to Panache Desai. You have a measured two-pronged part of what the outcomes of enlightenment enlightenment are. Can you share what those are? Yeah, so the two indicators, the only two real indicators that we have for awakening are you become less reactive and you experience heightened synchronicity. You become less reactive because you're being accountable and responsible for what you have to feel inside of you. It's no longer about the other person or the circumstance or situation or scenario. You realize that everything's happening to either reinforce where you are internally or to agitate what there is inside of you that needs to be brought to the surface so that you can be aware of it and experience it. And then the other thing is synchronicity. And synchronicity is fascinating because more and more, the more I've let go of, of the need to be successful or conform to any external milestone or metric, the more I'm experiencing that it's almost like life has been laid out for me. <laughs> and it's a very surreal concept. Like even how you and I met, right? Like think about that. Like yes. you and I were at a retreat, but you were there for some whole other reason, right? You didn't even come to see me. So what was the likelihood that I was there when you were there? And the whole backstory of that was crazy. Because I just end up, I ended up calling, because uh, you were there because of Jack. I actually had spoken to Jack the January before and told him about this place that we were at. And that's why he went. And unbeknownst to me, he'd actually use me in the email marketing to get people to sign up. And I didn't, and, and I knew nothing about this. So I called him and I said, would you mind if I came at the week when you're there? And he said, oh, I would love to. And then he sent me the email. God, this is great. Like I'm supposed to be there. And this is how we connected. Which is so crazy. Okay, so we're talking about Jack Canfield, and many of you have actually kind of even heard bits of that story. Jack was on my podcast last spring. On the podcast, he was talking about ayahuasca. I was scared to death of it. 
And so I couldn't believe Jack Canfield was talking about this, but the way that he was describing it sounded so magical. And then all of a sudden he invited me to join him with a small group of friends on my podcast. He invited me. So I said, yes, I think that was more ego. Like Jack Canfield invited me, but I was no way going to go. And everyone who listens to this show knows, but then all these other synchronicities started showing up about other people sharing their experiences. And the next thing I know, Jack's not going to Ecuador, which is where he originally thought he was going to be doing ayahuasca in November. All of a sudden, then I run into another friend of mine from the Tony Robbins world who says she's going to Rhythmia, this place I had heard about but didn't really know anything about, but that was on my mom's bucket list, number one on her bucket list since the day they opened their doors. But she was going with this guy named Panache Desai. It was Mariah. And we were at this birthday brunch. And then she was like, yeah, Jack Canfield and some other friends. I'm like, wait, Jack Canfield? So it was all so synchronistic. And then we get there. And yes, I'm there invited by him. But I bring my mom who's ecstatic because this is her bucket list dream. Then we meet you. And next thing I know, you're my spiritual teacher. You know, what's so amazing is I reflect back on these first six guests that I'm, I'm highlighting for this 100th episode. I can so clearly connect the dots, right, of where... One conversation led to the next and then opened up a new level of, of perspective and opportunity. And it was just this upward spiral of expansion. And then I just got, I just got more prepared for the next part of my journey to live my life as the highest version of myself. I can clearly see that. And it's not just personally and, you know, spiritually. There's also been some very significant, measurable outcomes of some of the guests um, that I've highlighted so far in terms of my business. The first is if I just connect back to Jarek Robbins and now me being in his mastermind and him helping me level up my business to, you know, the next highest outcome. He also introduced me to one of the top 100 podcasters in the world, um, John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And that led to a big joint venture and collaboration for my most recent podcast accelerator launch, which is pretty damn epic. And then I think back to Jack Canfield being on my show, you know, one of my top three dream guests from the very beginning and someone that I looked up to and he had mentored me my entire life since high school. And that conversation led to obviously spending a week with him in Costa Rica at Rhythmia and and then that led to collaborations. So my team collaborates with some of my signature programs with his community. And we've now rolled out some signature courses and we've changed more lives on, you know, in different ways. And it has been a six-figure revenue generator for me, all because I followed the dream, was brave enough to ask the dream nest guest to be on. And I went to Rhythmia scared, all the things, right? Trying the plant medicine. That was very scary for me. And and it just, again, facing your fears, facing the impossibility and being willing to embrace it and just seeing the magic and the reward of what happens that you could not have possibly asked for or dreamt of. That's what I love about this so far. Which brings me to my final highlighted guest, who's someone that I've actually known uh, for tw- almost 27 years. He's one of my very best friends, Mr. Daniel Gibson. He has an undergraduate degree from Yale University, a master's in social work, and he's been fighting the good fight for a lot of people for many, many years. And, you know, when George Floyd was killed, murdered, um, taken right before so many of us all around the world, It really caused me to take inventory of my life, as I'm hoping that it did for you as well. 
And as I looked at my podcast guests, I was like, wow, at that point I had had like, I don't know, maybe 90 guests on or something like that at that point. And I realized that only two guests ever had been of brown skin, black skin. Then I looked at my community and all of my students and all my programs, and it was less than like 1%. And then I started looking at the people that I was following on social media, and it was like, wow, it's about 1%, 2% max. And then, of course, you know, immediately I just took inventory of, of what does this mean about me? I'm not a racist, never have been. But we see what was modeled and that was what was modeled to me. So I had to make a deliberate conscious choice to follow different accounts and to get educated and informed and inspired by people who weren't just like me or who looked just like me. So one of the most powerful ways that I thought I could do that was by bringing on, yes, my biracial friend, Daniel Gibson, and we could talk about it, especially in the moment when things were so heated. There's two parts of this conversation that really moved me. The first is, is where he talked about why he never brought his blackness to our friendship. So we start there and I was blown away by that answer and by his honesty in that. It was so powerful. And I thought, oh my gosh, there are so many facets to what's happening in the world right now. We were, where we are all waking up to the deepest parts of ourselves if we really give ourselves an opportunity to be honest and to reflect and what do we want to do differently and how do we want to behave differently and how do we want to show up differently in the world. So I never even looked at Daniel as my black friend. He was just one of my best friends, but then he explains why. And we never had those conversations because I have some other black friends where that's always our conversation. It's, it's just front and center. And so with him, it was never the case. And so he explained why in the first part of this highlight. The second part is me bringing up a post that I had seen of his on Instagram that he also posted on Facebook. Now, it wasn't the one that he was referring to, but it's the one that I brought up. And then, yes, he said, yeah, please share that one. And it was in there that I had so much compassion for my friend on such a new level, but it opened me up even more so of the privilege that I had, but was unaware of and what he made me aware of even more, more so in this conversation. And it deepened our friendship in a way I can't explain. Here I had known him for almost 27 years. I do think Daniel will be in my life for the rest of my life. But this one conversation with him on my podcast took our friendship to new heights. And it makes me emotional thinking about it because that's what's possible when we are willing to be honest and to ask the hard questions and to be deep listeners and to stay present and to let, let people have the space and the freedom and the safety to truly be. Man, we could heal the world with this kind of stuff. So take a listen to Daniel Gibson. Why do you think you have never brought your blackness to the party of our friendship? Yeah, you know, that's a question that I have been thinking a lot about, specifically in the last five years with work that I'm doing in Miami, where I work in a historically black community. And it was coming to Miami, moving here for the job and working in this historic community called Overtown and realizing I had left the black community. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I was ashamed of being black. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about my my internal racism myself. You know, it wasn't that. It was that I made a decision when I was young to go towards education. And in my experience of what that went with the schools I went to that were predominantly white, I made the decision to assimilate. 
And I didn't do it consciously. I did it because I could. I did it because I learned to speak a certain way and act a certain way. And I started to play codes, right, that would allow me into the room. And I didn't know I was doing it, but I did it. And I did it for decades. And so one of the reasons is it wasn't that I didn't see myself as a man of color, but it wasn't really important to me the way it is today. And it, this is before George Floyd. It's been something for the past four or five years. It has become more and more important to me to embrace my black heritage. And I realized, and I get a little bit emotional thinking about it, that even though I was never ashamed of it, I didn't wear it with pride. And part of that is because of the way the black community and black individuals are seen and treated. So I felt I was less threatening to my friends if I entered the room, interestingly enough, as a gay man rather than as a black gay man, right? So for so many years, from the time you met me, my identity as a gay man was so much more vital to my communication and my friendships and my interactions. And it was all I ever talked about. And yet I never talked about this other part of me that was so obvious when I walked into the room. So uh, that's kind of a, a quick version of it. And it, it, I do get emotional about it because when you ask my siblings whether they are black and white, black or white, they'll say we're black. They all identify a white, a white mom and a black a dad. white mom and a black dad. Correct. And they identify as black. I'm the only one of my siblings who has always insisted on identifying as biracial. Mm-hmm. And that still is very important to me. And that's a whole nother show. But. I realized in my biraciality, I never held up the blackness. And that I'm not responsible for the way that the community treats individuals of color, but I never did anything to change the way people treat people of color until recently. And and we can talk about that if that's if that comes up. But uh, you know, I, I've dedicated my life now to really working with men in the prison system, working with communities of color, understanding the power differential and why people are dying 17 years earlier in this community versus Brickell, which is less than a mile away. And it comes down to just simple things like access to healthcare, education, and it's not okay. And it's, it's so exciting. There's a lot of darkness and sadness right now in this world, but I, as you know, I'm always optimistic and I see that there's such great opportunity mm. for change. And I believe that we are moving towards that change. I'd like to read that one if it's okay. Sure. This one stopped me in my scrolling tracks and I just started to weep. Compassion for you, acknowledgement for your bravery and your vulnerability. And it was just, it was, it was a game changer for me. And that's, that was the moment that I decided to wake up and to be intentional about my life. And so I'll read it, guys. He wrote it on June 5th, and it's this beautiful image of him looking straight into the camera wearing, of course, a black hoodie. I'm an Ivy League-educated man. I've traveled the country and this world professionally and personally. I have a loving family and amazing friends all across the globe. I love my job and my life. I've made a career fighting for social justice and equity, ending poverty and racism once and for all. I've been to the White House and I've spoken to heads of federal departments about ways to improve our justice system. Yet, when I walk out the safety of my own home, all they see is that I am a black man. Yeah. You know, when I I wrote that, 
I was having a really dark day that day. Mm. And you know me, my, my, I, I, I exude light. Mm. That's my hallmark. Um, but I, had a re- I was having a really dark day, I, as I talked about. I was having a lot of guilt about was I doing enough. I also have been working around this issue for 15 years and nothing seems to be changing. Mm. You know, I, I talked about my privilege earlier today, but I also know that I am judged for being gay, for being black, and I meant those words. And I think that what's happening in this country is people are understanding regardless of what position you hold in this world. When you are a person of color and your community, maybe they don't hate you, but they're indifferent. How many times people tell me, oh, I don't think of you as a black person? which has always been insulting to me, but I've never said anything because I know they mean it. They mean, oh, you're intelligent or, oh, you're funny. And, oh, I feel comfortable around you. And I realized that day that I wasn't using my social media to say, I am a black man. And I know you see me as a black man. You just feel comfortable with me because I have changed because I have changed the way I speak. I have, I changed the way I dress. I change the music that I listen to. I date white men. So you feel comfortable with me. And yeah, so those were, those were honest words. So those were honest words. And it's a healing process that I still go through. Yeah, so powerful. Thank you for sharing such such vulnerability with me today. This is just beautiful. Mm. You know, if- Wow, I was not expecting to get emotional on this. This was my time to uh, see my shell bill. Oh, I didn't expect our conversation to get so emotional either, but I'll tell you, it's happened with quite a few guests on this show, which is why I think fire and soul works, right? How can you have inspired action from an awakened soul for epically aligned results where you're not going to just have your heart cracked wide open and sometimes just bow to your knees in either immense gratitude or humility or something that can wake us up in every single precious moment that we get to live this life? I am so honored to have brought you not only the highlighted guest today, but every single episode so far. We're just getting started. We've had about 200,000 downloads to date. I am so committed to this podcast and to the mission of the show, which again is inspired action from an awakened soul for epically aligned results, which means nothing's forced or manufactured. It's all flow. It's ease and grace. And that is where the piece of that piece is. That's where our power is. And that is where I believe we can tap into our full unbridled potential. And it's a beautiful thing when we get to step into that kind of power that's not us. And it feels like there's something larger than ourselves operating on our highest good and on our highest behalf. This has been so fun to bring you these guests to celebrate such a beautiful milestone of 100 episodes. If there was anything that you got out of this, that you gleaned, that you loved, that you appreciated, that you got some value on, please tag us in an Instagram story, tag myself, maybe tag the guest name. I will be adding all of the guests that were mentioned here into the show resources at fireandsoulpodcast.com. You can see all of it. You can check others out. There's so much that was uh, 
offered here that I got a chance to relive right alongside with you. And I just want to thank you for being a part of the journey and just let you know that this is, this is what we do it for, right? It's for these types of insights and takeaways and action steps that you can immediately apply to your life. That just humbles me. I'm so glad we didn't give up way back when, when I was launching this podcast and so scared. I'm so glad that I went through the hardships and the growing pains of some of these guests and what it led to. I'm so grateful that I honored each guest request when they said, we're not going to share it or we're not going to do this or please don't bring up that. And it just led to so much abundance that I literally could just like, wow, this is beyond my wildest imagination at this point in this podcasting journey. So here's to the next 100 episodes, my friends. I certainly hope that you are on the journey with us and that we get to celebrate together. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And just know that if I were to be asked right now, like I ask every single guest, what is your definition of fire and soul? I would say, take a listen to the 100th episode. That's how my soul was cracked wide open, got into alignment and could bring you these kinds of guests, these kinds of conversations, insights and takeaways so that we can all just live from our high highest place, our highest self. Ah, have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.